Coming up on Jason and Natty, we picked a really bad week to not put out a CTN episode last week, so we need to catch you guys up on all the fall camp news and injuries. In addition, we finally have some games to talk about in week zero, and we're going to give you everything you guys need to look for in them before the CFF season truly kicks off. All this and more coming right after this. Looking to Jared Stearns, who makes the catch and scores. What a burst! Trey Vaughn Anderson! As advertised, touchdown Buckeyes! This is Chasing the Natty, a college fantasy football podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. This is Jared Palmgren, host of the Chase and Natty podcast. I hope you guys are having a wonderful ride to your work on this Monday morning. Like I said in the intro there, y'all, we, like I, so last week I went to the Fantasy Football Expo. It was awesome. I'd love to talk more about it, but we have a lot of stuff to get to today. And the reason why we have a lot of stuff to get to today is because last week was just the worst time ever for us to not put out a CTN episode because of just how much news broke. And then there's other things that happened to me in my life. If you follow my Twitter, you know all the craziness that's happened to me this past week. So uh, yeah, next year, if I go to the expo and uh, the guy across from me here doesn't go, I think I'll just send him all the graphics and have him do the show for a week. And that man is Mr. Nate Marquise. Nate, how are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, I'm um pretty stoked that we're right here just around the corner to get the uh get the games actually going um weather's great here in kansas city um so it's a nice weekend just to kind of relax before football gets going so oh, everything's yeah. good man hey and it's it, gorgeous weather over here in athens uh had some rain yesterday not too bad uh but yeah dude six six days left until we get some football i'm i am absolutely stoked uh, so yeah, I think uh, we got a really jam-packed show here today, so we're going to really kind of just go ahead and dive right into it. But first things first, got to go ahead and tell you guys a little bit about some of the stuff we were doing over at Campus to Canton. A lot of great stuff. Uh, me and Nate are part of the CFF team over at Campus to Canton, along with Brandon T. Sanders and Mr. Chris Moxley. We got podcasts, articles, rankings, CFF ADP, and even more than that. We just added... Um, I, I believe I've said this before on the pod, but I'll say it again. We just added Chris K and Ethan Sowers. They are going to be doing college football DFS content for you guys this year. That is part of the NIL tier over at Campus Canton. So absolutely follow them on Twitter and absolutely um, go ahead and sign up for that NIL tier so you can get access to all your betting needs going forward. And they are also releasing their new podcast, Bet on C2C. That is with Chris K, Ethan Sowers, and Brandon Sanders, uh, who usually does a feature freshman podcast in the CFF University, but they are going to be doing that podcast this season. Absolutely go check that out. And in addition to that podcast, tons of great other podcasts from the Campus to Canton crew. On Mondays, you have myself with Chase and Natty. And going forward, it is going to be Nate Marquise and Chris Moxley going to be on here pretty regularly uh, in order to get through in-season content. I'll go into that a little bit probably near the end of the show. But then on Tuesdays, you got Campus Live with Austin Nace and Colin Decker. Wednesdays, Debbie Debate live streamed on YouTube with Felix Sharp, Matt Bruning, Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. And then on Fridays, you have the Canton Bound podcast, um, as well as the Hero RB show, 
that our own uh, Noah has been doing over at Campus Again. He has been doing a fantastic job with that. So absolutely go check that out. And we will be doing two shows on Saturday as the Campus Canton team. We'll be doing a morning show that will cover things kind of in a similar way that uh, or kind of at a similar time that like College Game Day Live and stuff like that is going on. And then there's also going to be a night show that is going to be hosted by Felix Sharp. Absolutely watch those when they come to you guys. And we'll get more details to you guys about that here in the next few weeks. So with that being said, I believe we're done with the spiel. Oh, no, forgot the, forgot the first part of the spiel. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're following this on a podcast, make sure you follow us and leave a five-star review. I think that's pretty much it. And I try to keep it close. I try to cut it a little shorter this week. So, Chris K., if you're listening, I hope you're proud. Nate, shall we get into some of these news items? Let's do it, man. All right. So, first things first. Um, probably the biggest one in terms of CFF is the fact that Sam Hartman, quarterback out of Wake Forest, is out I put on the on the graphic here, he is out for now because we don't really know how long he is going to be out. Uh, there seems to be a, they have called it a non-football-related uh, medical uh, emergency to where he is not, he cannot be playing football for the time being. And I believe we should be knowing here in the next couple of weeks really how long that'll be. Uh, but Nate, the, the question I pretty much got from everybody here was, Two, twofold. One, how does this affect A.T. Perry? Obviously, Sam Hartman's out, so like that's uh, if you drafted him highly, that's a little bit of a bummer. But how does this affect A.T. Perry? And then how? what are we doing with Mitch Griffiths, who has been named the starter behind Sam Hartman there? I've been waffling back and forth on how I feel like this is going to play out for Perry and, and what it kind of does with his stock. I think I've kind of settled on... I, I think it's reasonable to think that they are going that he will see a little bit of a reduction in mm-hmm. in kind of where his ceiling is. What makes Wake Forest um, what they are, and so and so uh, you know such a good investment from a CFF perspective is just how fast they go and how fluid that offense is. I mean, they they constantly are top five, top ten in the country in mm-hmm. plays per game, and so. Without Hartman, it's reasonable to think that a new starter, they're not going to run as seamless as they have been. And maybe they don't run at the same pace. It's also reasonable to think that they're not, you know, they're not going to have as many long drives and and plays around the goal line. So it could impact his, his ceiling from a, from a touchdown perspective. So, uh, I I mean, that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I I think it's reasonable to think that there's a little bit of a, uh, of a drop when it comes to, to Perry and, and obviously Donovan Green as well. Um, I think that new quarterbacks can really hone in on their top guys sometimes, mm-hmm. so that might impact um, Donovan Green really and in, in what his ceiling is as well. Uh, what are what are your thoughts on him? Well, again, I I thought you made an excellent point when you because t- again I was ready to drop at uh, quite a bit ways down, but then you kind of came into our Slack channel and kind of pointed out that like you said, newer quarterbacks tend to hone in on their top guy. And for the Wake Forest offense, that is A.T. Perry. It seems like by a good bit. Uh, the only thing that kind of nags in the back of my mind is that always that weird dynamic when a backup quarterback comes in, usually it's one of those wide receivers that doesn't typically see the field a whole ton and is usually working with the twos along with that quarterback right. that suddenly starts getting a lot more targets because that's who they practice with and develop chemistry right. with in practice. So that's that's a great old- point. That's the only thing I'm kind of worried about here a little bit. I have knocked uh, Perry down to, uh, let me pull up my wide receiver rankings here. I've dropped him down to my wide receiver 11. I still consider him in that top tier just because 
of the offense just because he's the clear top option there right now. And like you said, there's still that possibility they hone in on him. But I think he's kind of the last now of that top tier. Is that kind of fair, you think? Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. I I think if we would have seen more from Perry before last year, Mm -hmm. we would have a little bit more confidence in that. Um, but the fact that he just kind of burst onto the scene scene last year and and really just kind of took over and took that one spot from uh, Jacory Roberson, it's yeah, I mean it's it's hard to say how consistent this guy can be if there is a drop in quarterback play. So yeah, I think um, I think wide receiver eleven um, is definitely fair. I just think that 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 uber ceiling that we yeah. could project from him has dropped a little bit. I think the floor is still really strong. Though. Yeah, he's definitely not a guy that you are thinking about taking in the first round anymore. I think he's definitely more along that like two, three turn in a 12 man league. Yeah, it's I mean, I remember last year, I can't remember exactly which game it was. If it was, if it was Louisville or Syracuse, one, one of those games. Um, I mean, he was and I know against Clemson, he was targeted a ton, too. I mean, there was a game where he got like 22 targets in one game. So, I mean, clearly Sam Hartman drops back and that's the first place he looks and he doesn't look very far beyond that. So, and we don't know that's going to be the case. As yeah. far as the the quarterback play, um, I've, I I thought whenever this first happened, I was going to, um, you know, with what best balls were left, I was going to try to to pick up um, Griffiths. And honestly, I, I haven't been able to really pull the trigger on it. I just don't know what we're going to get out of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been watching the practice reports and I'm, I mean, they, they, they've got some beat writers to do a really good job filling you in on yeah. what exactly is going on in practice. And you can tell there's a difference in how the offense has looked mm-hmm. since he's took over. So I've kind of, you know, I've kind of been a little gun shy on, on, on pulling any, uh, you know, investing in, in Griffiths at all. I have done two drafts since this news broke, and I find it interesting in both of them, Sam Hartman is still taken ahead of Mitch Griffiths because I think people are still holding out hope that this Hartman injury doesn't keep him out that long. I am looking at my rankings right now. I put Mitch Griffiths at QB 58 because, again, I'm with you. I have no idea what we're getting out of him, but I think it's worth ranking him and saying, like, hey, if he is the starter for at least a time being, He's somebody you're going to want to have on your roster. It's not somebody you're going to want to just have out there hanging on the waiver wire. I think the last point that I'll make on this is I, I feel like Griffiths is a better investment from a dynasty perspective mm-hmm. than redraft because one, we don't know how long Hartman is going to be out. He could come back after five or six games. And then Griffiths is not a, a great investment for the long term in this season. Um, but we do know Sam Hartman has been very public about that. This is his last year. Um, unless for some reason he's out the entire year and then maybe he decides to stick around for another year. But assuming this is his last year, this is almost like you get a free dress rehearsal look at what Griffiths is. And so if you're not, if you can get him late in like a, uh, later in like a dynasty, or you can pick him up in your dynasty league or whatever off waiver wires, then there is potential to see, okay, he kind of gets his feet wet this year. And then maybe we've got something to look forward to next year. But yeah, I haven't really, haven't been too invested for this season alone. No, and that definitely makes sense. And I do think there is something to be said, kind of going off with your uh, dynasty investment talk is that they named him the starter very quickly after this news. Like there wasn't like a couple days in camp, see what's going on, everything. They said, no, Mitch is our guy. We're like, maybe that's part of it is that they just had to make a decision. They're so far into camp. It's like, we don't have time for a quarterback battle. We have to go with one guy. But even still, the fact that he was the first name out there, I think says a lot. 
great point. All right, let's go on to the next one here. Again, unfortunately, more injury news. Trayvon Rudolph, wide receiver out of NIU, out for the season. It looks like with a torn ACL. So the real question is here, are there any other receivers that we like at NIU that stand to benefit? Or because this is such a run-heavy team, are we just going to focus on the running backs and not really worry about wide receivers out of there? I have my answer, but Nate, I'll let you go first. Yeah, this this injury really bummed me out. I wanted to see a lot of of Rudolph. I mean, any guy that can go for three hundred plus in one game, and you kind of get a taste of that. You want you want to see, okay, what what actually are we working with from a, you know with his ceiling? Especially so, a freshman, right? Yeah, I mean, he just he just you know burst onto the scene last year, and we we get a chance to see what he's all about, and and now we've you know we got this kind of news. So that's that's really a bummer for him. Um, yeah, I. I do think that um, Cole Tucker is is definitely the play here. Like Wake Forest, there, there's also a beat writer that does a really good job with Northern Illinois that I've been following for the last couple of weeks. I mean, he gives like a play-by-play of Perfect. Both, both of their last two scrimmages, and he has gone out of his way to say both weeks um, just how much of a, uh, a chemistry that Tucker has built with, um, with Rocky Lombardi. So – I definitely think Tucker's the guy. I do think um, Shamar Thornton, uh, the, the transfer from FIU, is one to keep an eye on. Um, he's made some plays in the scrimmage, but Tucker's the one that um, that's really been targeted lately. And Tucker played Tucker played well at times last year as well. Yeah. I, I fully agree with you. Honestly, I, I had Tucker when I when I did my initial rankings. I I really heavily considered putting Tucker into my initial rankings along with Drayvon Rudolph earlier in the season because I saw he had plenty of great games last year. Mm -hmm. And I did think that people were kind of um, a little too high on Rudolph. And I kind of started seeing Tucker in the background there. I'm like, you know, Tucker could honestly be the value in this offense. And now he is the number one, it seems like, kind of going into this. I have him currently rated as wide receiver 54. Uh, If things continue to... Uh, come out well for him in terms of news and everything. I could definitely see myself moving higher than that. So again, I'm fully with you. Cole Tucker's my guy. Some people do like Thornton. It wouldn't be surprised me if Thornton is uh, pretty good this season, but Tucker is the veteran. Like you said, there's been great chemistry between him and Rocky Lombardi. And if you can get chemistry with Rocky Lombardi as a quarterback, you're doing something right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. One, one last note that I thought of whenever I was reading through um, the scrimmage notes, the last two scrimmages, um, you know, I mean, obviously we, we really uh, love the duo that's, that's Harrison Whaley and, and Amari and uh, Brown there at NIU. And everybody loves the fact that um, what, what was his name? Uh, Rankavich, Rat, Ratkovich, the yeah, guy Ratkovich, that moved on. Ratkovich. Yeah. Who, who basically vultured all the goal line work uh last year and you're like you're thinking okay great he moves on we don't have to worry about that anymore we got these two uh just total bosses that are gonna take on all that work it looks like from the scrimmages that that the third slash fourth string guy blakemore has been filling into that ratkovich role of of the guy that that just comes in down in the goal line and then barrels his way through so i I will just say be be weary uh of that it's one thing that kind of stood out from some of those scrimmage notes all righty nate we joked about it happening before the show started but it's that it's that season so we're going to go ahead and talk about a news item we weren't going to talk about here and that is ucf quarterback John Rice Plumley has been named the starter 
for the UCF Golden Knights. So Nate, live reaction to this news. What are we thinking here? Uh, I love it. I love, you know, the, the potential uh, that you can, that you can get just because of how dangerous he is from a rushing perspective. Um, so I think it could be really fun. Those that, uh, invested in him rolled the dice and it's going to pay off. It looks like, yep. uh, I worry about what that means for the receivers, uh, just because we've seen enough of Plumlee as quarterback to know that he's not, um, he's not great when it comes to passing the ball. So, um, that would concern me, but I mean, I think they're just going to run the hell out of the ball this year and they've got, they've got a, a stable of, of really good running backs. Um, they got so, Ryan O'Keefe, who's great on jet sweeps. Like, the, and right. then you add in John Rice Plumley, who can run out of the backfield. Like, you're right; they're just going to run it every way that they can. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be a very interesting offense to watch this year. I think, for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how creative they can get, uh, how creative Gus can get. But I mean, obviously, um, I mean, there's, you know, I mean, he's got 200 yard rushing potential uh yeah. from a week-to-week standpoint i mean that's that's kind of the ceiling he he had playing at Ole miss in the sec so it's it's reasonable to think that he could have potentially games like that uh there at uh at ucf yeah i have i'm i'm, I'm currently moving john rice plumley as we speak up my rankings i had him around qb like 30 ish um and I'm, I'm moving him up right now and currently i think i'm gonna have him settle right around QB 16, 17 ish. So right around the range I have like Dorian Thompson Robinson and KJ Jefferson. Again, two two other dual threat quarterbacks uh that I like. And I might again I'm kind of debating where I want them in those guys. Again, KJ Jefferson, Dorian Thompson Robinson, both better passers than John Rice Plumley, but John Rice Plumley's ability to rush on the ground is perfection. So yeah, I mean that that's got a chance to be a really, really fun offense there. And if you look at their schedule, there's really, from a non-conference perspective, South Carolina State, Louisville, Georgia Tech. I mean, they play two P5 programs, but it's Louisville and Georgia Tech for their mm-hmm. the defenses that they're going against when it comes to their P5 games. So, yeah, I mean, uh, they're going to be fun to watch this year. And if Gus can, like I said, if he can be creative, man, they've, they've got some guys that can really go there. Yep. Alrighty, Nate, you mentioned people rolling the dice for uh, John Rice Plumley. We're going to talk about a dice that you rolled and have won out on here. And that is over at Western Kentucky. Jared Daigie, out, gone, entered the transfer portal. Looks like he's going to settle at Troy. We can talk about that a little bit if you want to, Nate, but I don't know if there's really much to talk about there. Uh, but now Austin Reed, the transfer from West Florida Division II school, is now set to be the starter at Western Kentucky. Nate, you got a big old smile on your face. Let us know what's going on here, man. I, I mean, if you listen to our podcast from a couple of weeks ago, then you know I'm a big fan of, of the decision that was made here. I don't know exactly how they came about it, but um, it was clear that they made it. Um, you know, they made this decision, and and Daigie did not want to be a backup, so uh, he moved on. Austin Reed, now the man, and um, obviously we'll we'll probably talk more about this when we when we talk about some some week zero games. But I'm I'm excited. I like I said, I think Daigie limited the the ceiling, the potential of what that offense could be, mm-hmm. and I think that um, while it's unreasonable to think that Austin Reed is going to perform at a Bailey Zappi level, I think 
it is reasonable to think he gets them closer. He at least has that potential to get them closer to that level. So um, he's a gunslinger. He's got a lot of moxie. He's, he's a fun um, interview to listen to. That's for sure. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, I, I think this is good for the receivers there. I, and, and like I said, because he is more athletic, because he does have the bigger arm, um, there is a, there is definitely top 20, top 15, you know, type QB potential here with him. So I put it out there that I said I was going to move him to a top, I, did I say top 12 or top 10 QB? I think top 10. I, I, I have backed off on that a little bit because as I kind of looked at my rankings, I have settled him at QB 13, uh, right behind Tanner Mordecai, right ahead of Frank Harris. Um, I'm with you, Nate, because like, I was one of the bigger like hypers of Jared Thiggy. I had him as a top 20 CFF QB when everybody else was telling me, like, oh, he's bad. If he's a starter, he's not going to do that. I'm like, I don't care. If he can do 70% of what Zappy did last year, he's still going to be great. God, am I happy that he's not the quarterback. <laughs> um, I am very, very happy about this news because while I think that Daigie, it was possible for him to get 60%, 70%, Reed is a guy I think it's possible to get like 80 to 90% of what Zappi did last year. And if that's the case, that is incredible. Overall, yes, the jump from Division two to FBS is going to be something I think we have to keep an eye on and something to think about. But at the same time, he just fills the skill set better that this offense needs. Uh, he's thrown it a lot more at his old school than Daigie really ever did in West Virginia. I really adore, again, I'm with you, Nate. I adore the fact they decided to go with this direction. I really think that this is going to be incredible for CFF coming in here. And man, shout out to every person who happened to be on the clock in their slow drafts when this news huh. broke. Right. If you were like really late into a draft, you got one of the best values you possibly could have gotten. I'm going to be interested to see how, how, how high Reed goes in this live draft that I do tonight. Because I'm curious to see, like now that the dust has settled and everything, because everybody got him kind of later in the drafts that I was doing, I want to see how high he goes now. Yeah, I think the beauty of this is, and we talked about this in our Slack channel um, at C2C, the beauty is, is that not only does he win the job, but Daigie leaves. He yep. know he there there is Gone. a massive and 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 Arbuckle and Helton both said, "Hey, there are two clear front runners for this job." So there is a massive drop after Austin Reed. So even if even if it does take him a few games to get adjusted and acclimated to, to that big transition from uh, the lower level program of of West Florida to um, Conference USA play, there's they're not going to be making a switch. Nope. And, and what's also nice about their schedule is they play week zero, but they also only have one bye week So it's almost really? like you get, you get to watch him play week zero. You don't have to worry about starting him or anything like that. You can see what, what the makeup of this team is going to, and we'll talk more about this later, but you get a, you get that, that dress rehearsal with him as well. And he still only has one bye during the mm -hmm. regular season. So that's nice. Yeah, that that is incredible. I, I honestly didn't even think about that because I think I've just seen them have one bye week and I never put two and two together. I'm like, oh yeah, they also play week zero. Teams that play at Hawaii get to play the extra game. And that's why, oh, and Hawaii nice. also gets an extra game because of their travel. So Hawaii also plays week zero, but does not does not have two buys. Yes, I did I did, I did know that because I remember looking at the Hawaii players. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And, um, and also again, add on to the week zero, we get to see, we get to see them in action. For a, for a week before we actually have to play them, uh, I made the joke because um, like 
I, I think it was um, Josh Chevalier put out a tweet saying like, oh, like what, what games are you looking forward to? And I put the, we'll talk about it later here, but the yeah. Western Kentucky Austin P game. And I'm like, I'm looking forward to that one because I get to see that offense in action. Somebody's like, oh, like how much are you really going to glean from that? I'm like, I'll know whether or not Austin reads a play in week one or not. Right. No doubt. So, We'll get we'll get to that later and everything. The last thing I'll I'll point out here is there is a Western Kentucky player that I converse with pretty regularly, and I did reach out to him after this news and ask like, hey, like, like this this, this sounds great and everything, and he replied. He said, it's wheels up. Uh, this is this is going to be great for the offense. So I am looking forward to this. All right, let's keep it moving here. Uh, we're going to go from one quarterback battle to another. A very sim- Kind of very similar pattern here. One guy's named the starter. Another guy enters the portal almost immediately. Uh, but we got Jerry Bohannon named the starter at uh, University of South Florida. And the original starter, Timmy McLean, has since entered the portal and landed at UCF. So we'll kind of t- hit the story in those two parts. What do we think about Jerry Bohannon starting at U- USF? And what do we think about McLean going to UCF? Well, I mean, obviously, this is great for Jerry Bohannon. I'm, I'm, he was not highly productive from a CFF standpoint at Baylor, but he was serviceable. Yes. And now he is going to um, an offense that I think will feature his skill set, his ability to run, his ability to run around the goal line. Uh, I mean, he is a he is a very athletic quarterback. I think Baylor even at times held him back a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that it's possible that, that uh, they let him loose a little bit there at UCF. So that's nice. And similar to what we just discussed with Western Kentucky, the main competition not only is not just the QB2, he's out of the room altogether. Yep. So, um, again, if, if there are a couple games early on where he struggles, you don't have to worry about him losing that job, which makes you feel more comfortable if you pick him up off the waivers or if you're still doing drafts right now and you – you end up drafting him. So just, it, there's a little bit more of a, uh, the floor is raised quite a bit in that situation. Mm-hmm. Between this and the Western Kentucky QB battles, we now see why so many coaches refuse to name a starter, even if it's kind of clear. Because again, as the yeah. moment that these two were named the starters between Austin Reed and Jerry Bohannon, the other guys hightailed it out of town, even though we only have a couple weeks left in the season. Like that, that again, so I don't really, again, going forward, again, this is kind of a side point, but like I don't blame coaches going forward when they just refuse to outright name a starter. Because uh, sometimes you get lucky, like we'll get to Texas here in a second, where a guy didn't just immediately hit the portal and everything. But I would, so, yeah, if I were a coach, I wouldn't. I, I, I no way think, I'd do it. I'd, I do. Yeah. I'd pull the whole Lincoln Riley, uh, you know, just all, all these, all these coaches that wait till the very last second. I mean, that's, what are you, what are you going to do? It's, I, you it's don't, what we you have don't to want do your, now. Yeah. You don't want your QB2 to bounce. It might be interesting if uh, NIL and everything starts like including stuff like that in their contracts. We'll see. Right. Again, God knows what all is going to happen there. The other piece of this, again, is McLean going to UCF. To me, again, we talked about it already. If, it, if we didn't already get the news, I would be saying here right now that McLean going to UCF just pushes further that John Rice Plumley was going to be, was always going to be the original starter at UCF. Um, Malzahn has a type at quarterback. McLean fits it. John Rice Plumley kind of fits it. Mikey Keene really doesn't fit it that much, as far as I can tell. And so I think this was the just friend. another sign that that's the quarterback he was looking for. Yep. Do we like McLean after Plumley leaves UCF eventually, or are we still kind of more bought into 
um, Castellanos maybe being the guy after him. So I talk about this a lot with Chris, uh, with Chris K. We, we've discussed this. We really need to, uh, Chris and I need to start a consulting firm for these players <laughs> that, are hitting, that are hitting the portal so that we can give them advice on the direction they need to go. Yeah, obviously the Malzahn system fits Timmy McLean's um, skill set very well, but John Reese Plumley has another year after this one. Yes. Um, Thomas Castellanos is, uh, is also of that same mold as, as JRP and McLean. He's, um, you know, I guess now that he's there, he'll get to learn the system, you know, at the same level that Castellanos does. But I just, it's a crowded room. You know what I mean? Like, and who's to say that Gus doesn't go and get another transfer next year? You exactly. know what I mean? Like, so I just, it's one of those deals. I think Timmy, Timmy McClain can play. I think he, he was, he, yeah. he showed potential as a true freshman, but you're again, you're joining a crowded room. Um, we'll see what happens, but I would love to advise these guys to go to rooms that aren't so crowded. If, if you're the type that's like, Hey, I'm not the starter. I'm leaving tomorrow. Then go somewhere where you can play right away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Go somewhere exactly. where you're going to fight for a job. Yeah, and give give Daigie all the credit there. At least he went to Troy, where there's like a, a chance that he's probably going to start because they clearly don't like the options they have there right now. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, if you, yeah, if you're if you're picking up, if you're in the portal trying to pick up a starter on August 21st, you definitely do not like your options that you have on your current roster. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, let's keep moving here. Uh, one last thing I'll say about this is that uh, I do have Jerry Bohannon now as a starter right about QB 49. So pretty much right where I had him before because I kind of assumed already that he'd be the starter. They have nice wide receiver options. Oh, they do. Weaver, Horn, Coffrey Brown. I mean, and he can run too. From a G5 perspective, that is that is a really underrated wide receiver room. So there, there's, there's some potential there. All right, let's keep moving here. Uh, Miles Brennan, quarterback out of LSU, retires from football. This quarterback battle is down between Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer there at LSU. What are our overall reactions on this one, Nate? Uh, besides the fact that Miles Brennan 100% just got the bag oh. uh, with his NIL deal. Can we talk about that for a second real quick? Okay, yeah. So, I mean, obviously he makes a lot of money off the NIL deals. As long as he, I believe, is... Like he doesn't have to play. He doesn't have to do anything. Yeah. I don't even know if he has to go to class to get these NIL deals, but uh, good for him because, because Brian Kelly freaking screwed him over. That's for mm -hmm. sure. By convincing him to come back. I mean, he could have went uh, and moved on like, um, like Max Johnson did and, yeah. and be competing for a job somewhere else. But instead he sticks around and becomes the third stringer um there at, at LSU so um you know I don't blame him if he's like hey I'm good I'm getting paid now let's uh I don't blame let's focus all. on 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 real life but um yeah it's down to two quarterbacks now um I fully um I'm I'm not totally buying that, that Nussmeyer is as close to winning this job as as what a lot of people might think so um, that's just kind of where I'm at with it. I, I think that this is Jaden's uh, job to, to lose, but I do think that we could see the old Brian Kelly come out and, yeah. and, and we see packages or we see both oh, yeah, of them of see the field. So that, that worries me, um, but that's, that's kind of how I see it playing out. I, I was to say, I haven't heard a lot of people, like I know a lot of people really like Garrett uh, Nussmeyer and I like Garrett Nussmeyer too, probably more, 
as a quarterback here than I do Jaden Daniels right now. But I haven't heard a lot of people say that he is the one to win the shot. I just find it interesting that, like, at least during the spring, it seemed like that Jaden Daniels was, like, really struggling. And, like, right. he was looking like the third string guy. And then all of a sudden, we come into the fall camp, and suddenly Miles Brennan is back to the third string, and Jaden Daniels is taking the lead, and Garrett Myers- mm-hmm. Dunsmeyer is still kind of sitting there in the center. It completely almost flipped from what spring was going on. I don't know if something happened over summer and everything, but, like, I've had a hard time kind of keeping up with this room. And, like, part of me is kind of thinking, like, is it really even worth it if either one of these guys start? We have no clue what this offense really is going to look like. Neither one of us really love the offensive coordinator hire in Denbrock. So I guess I'd like it a little bit better if Nussmeyer won. But, like, overall, I'd say just avoid this room for the most part. Yeah, I think with the it's it's kind of weird the system fit is with daniels yes then brock prefers the quarterback that can move the personnel fit is with nussmeyer because yes. they have some really nice wide receivers um i mean obviously with Butte uh and and jenkins and, and neighbors and, and thomas and, and all those guys i mean yep. they get a nobody's ever questioned lsu's wide receiver room so yeah so it's it's kind of uh um a situation where it's it's system versus personnel there it's gonna be interesting to see how it plays out i think i think daniels gets uh gets the nod of week one and um we see a mix of nussmeyer kind of sprinkled in yeah that definitely wouldn't surprise me and they, they play florida state week one but i'm pretty sure they have some cupcakes thereafter where we're probably going to get a better idea of who's at like we'll probably get a better idea of them once they um get against those guys and both guys can play for extended periods all right, keep it going here. All right, again, quarterback quarterback news all over the place here today. Uh, going to Texas, we got two stories out of Texas, and we'll kind of hit on each one of them here. And that it, first of all, uh, Quinn Ewers has been named the starter at Texas after all these rumors were coming out and flying around that Hudson Card was looking like he was starting with the ones and everything like that. Now, all of a sudden, Quinn Ewers was out of the blue, kind of, just named the starter at Texas, even though we were told that it wouldn't happen until after their scrimmage this past weekend. Nate, what's going on here? Well, you know how much I love to um, bash on the Don't total... do it again, Nate. This, I, you you I know, know what happened last time. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, just all of the chaos that is uh, Texas, and then, and then karma uh, came back to bite me, and and Oklahoma then had a little bit of their own um, issues uh, with the wide receiver coach last time we talked about Texas. But yeah, I mean, it it definitely you can tell from a that's part of the problem with Texas. And everybody asks, well, why can't a team with all their resources and all their players and all that? Why can't they be any better than than a five and seven squad that loses to Kansas? And it's really more of a culture thing. And when you have what a lot of reports are saying of of donors and uh, people connected uh, to NIL and stuff like that, making uh, decisions on who the quarterback is. It's just so weird. I mean, Sark comes out and says like um, on, on Wednesday that we're going to wait and see how the scrimmage goes. I've got a guy in mind, but I want to give everybody a chance. We'll see how the scrimmage goes. And then like two days later, he's like, nah, turns out, Quinn years yep. you know I mean it's just none, none of it adds up so. especially when so many practice reports were saying that card was getting the reps right with the ones right yeah <laughs> none of it none of it makes any sense so that's that's the part where I'm like yeah it would not be out it would not um be out of the question that that big money donors are coming in and saying you know what I I get 
what you want to do here, Sark, but we've paid good money for Quinn Ewers. Let's go ahead and, uh, and, and go ahead and pull the Ferrari out of the, out of the garage, even, even if it's not ready to run. We're going to run it anyways. Exactly. And I think from a CFF perspective, we're all breathing a sigh of relief that sure. Quinn Ewers will be the guy over Hudson Card, not just from a draft perspective, because God knows everyone's drafting Quinn Ewers way higher than Hudson Card. But even right. so, just in terms of like who could unlock this offense a little bit more, I think we all agree Quinn Ewers is probably that guy. We'll see going forward. We'll see who is right. The the donors that may have forced this, this position or the more conservative approach with Hudson Card. We'll see. Texas could the, be on their way to another bowl, uh, bowl this season. We'll find out. Yeah, and and I will I will say this, and this will kind of segue into what we're going to talk about next. But the the fact is is that the offensive line is still a big time work in progress from yes. all of the practice and scrimmage reports that we've been hearing. They lost uh, one of their top offensive linemen, mm-hmm. um, just like they lost Isaiah Nayor. So, um, which is the next yes. guy we're going to talk Isaiah, about? Let's we'll just go ahead and get into this yeah. next story. <laughs> so, so we've we've got offensive line struggling. We've lost um, definitely our second best wide receiver, our clear top two wide receiver. Not to say that they're short on weapons there, but um, I mean that impacts what what we can expect out of the quarterback play. If oh, yeah. he's constantly running for his life and he doesn't have one of the big time playmakers there on the outside, so yeah, um, I'll let you uh, kind of discuss the, the Nayor yeah. situation. So again, basically the, the the short end of the story here is that Isaiah Nayor, again, like Nate said, our expected wide receiver two for the Texas offense this year. A lot of hype throughout the entire offseason. He is out for the season. It was unfortunate because when we first got the news, everybody kind of said, oh, he's probably going to be fine. All of a sudden, it's he is out for the season with the torn ACL. So that really sucks for him. Hopefully, we get him back next year. The real question now is, is this more just wheels up even further for Xavier Worthy? Or are we kind of expecting maybe another wide receiver on the depth, depth chart Excuse me, to step up here? What do you think, Nate? So I've been kind of waffling back and forth on what I want to do with Worthy. I've had him as high in this in this offseason as my wide receiver too. I've since kind of moved him down to kind of the wide receiver. I want to say like my two. six or six or seven, um, kind of in that range. Um I I have so I've been scouring these practice reports to find out okay, who's the guy that's filling in? Troy O'Meary's still dinged up. Big surprise. Yeah, he's always <laughs> he's he's always um dealing with uh you know, he's always wearing a red jersey, uh non-contact jersey. So um and then you from there, so I actually think this is a little bit of stock up for uh Whittington, okay. uh who somehow still has running back uh eligibility on Fantrax, by the way. So uh dual eligibility for Whittington. Just because I, I think that he sees more targets. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the he's the only outside of worthy. He's the only other really experienced uh, wide receiver that this uh, quarterback room can count on. So I, I mean, I think that's where it's at. The problem is, is that there are other guys that could fill in, like Tariq Milton, who comes over from Iowa State. He's also more of an inside receiver. It, Ajayi Hall suspended. Yeah. Uh, again, not a big surprise. Um, so. I, I mean, I think you could look at some of the freshmen, um, Brennan Thompson, maybe a guy that could fill in, but everything I've heard, he's maybe not ready. Uh, and then they got another freshman. Um, I think his name's Savion Red. Yeah, Savion Red. Yeah, and apparently he looks to be the most ready of the freshmen. Okay. Um, kind of a long shot. I don't. Well, I, honestly, we heard that well, last year about Xavier Worthy. 
Um, yeah, no, I actually heard that people were saying, no, no, he's ready. He's no, going gotcha, like, he's, gotcha, he's gotcha, going to gotcha. be, he's going to be a dude. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think really anything past Whittington and worthy is you're just kind of taking a shot and, um, hoping that that dart lands in the right spot. Yeah, I'm definitely kicking myself because I literally just went and checked one of my dynasty teams because I pr- I was like I'm pretty sure I might have cut Whittington on one of my dynasty teams and lo and behold right. went and saw it and there he was and I'm or there there he was not on my roster I'm like well that's a problem I need to go find him real quick uh, I'll do that after the show and uh, yeah so again for me this is just solidifying uh, Xavier Worthy as my number two wide receiver and everything again. I like Whittington, but there's a reason why I cut him because I just didn't feel like counting on him anymore. And I yep. don't think Texas can really count on him with how much he's been banged up year after year. I think Worthy very much is just becoming that number one guy. Uh, and we, we even saw, like, there's, there's always a question in the second year of these guys where they will break out their freshman year and then they'll have the sophomore slump because people, the defensive coordinators, know to train them in on him. But... Xavier Worthy was that dude pretty much the entire season for Texas last year. It's not like he was a late breakout or anything, and we didn't see it coming or anything like that. So he's had guys trained on him already, and he still was very productive. So I'm feeling very good about having him still solidify as my wide receiver, too, for the year. Yeah, you're you're kind of talking me back into moving him back up a little bit here. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, yeah. I mean, this now means that that those – 15 target games are now back in play probably for yes. him. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm probably moving him back up a little bit. In CFF, sometimes that dude is just that dude. And Xavier yep. Worthy, I think, can definitely qualify with that. Yep. All right. Let's hit up the last main storyline here, and then we'll kind of hit up some of these Week 0 games here. And to me, this Cincinnati running back room, man, the battle just continues. And... I read a story, I believe it was a 247 rider a couple of weeks ago, that made a very interesting nugget where they said that while Ryan Montgomery is kind of getting the work with the ones right now, he isn't the typical prototypical back that Cincinnati would do as their main guy. The two backs they have on roster that fit that are who we all love, Corey Kiner, and then Miles Montgomery, who was somebody that really none of us had on our our, uh, radar coming into the season but now since that nugget I kind of kept him in the back of my mind and said well he's been on the roster and I keep hearing that Corey Kiner uh again coming in during fall camp and everything he's behind right now he's got to learn the playbook he's got to learn and everything he's got to prove himself and that's fine he can like I've seen we've seen people do it before but now the latest step chart that I've seen out of Cincinnati said that during the scrimmage that Miles Montgomery ran with the ones. They held, now granted, Ryan Montgomery was held out and everything, but it still strikes me that Miles Montgomery was on the ones before Kiner, who was on the twos. So, Nate, what do we think overall about this running back room? Again, Miles Montgomery, is he somebody that's a, just a great value in CFF right now? Well, he's got to be. If, if he is, well, I mean, we, we spent a lot of this offseason waiting to find out who's going to be that Cincinnati RB1. Uh, and if he, if reports were saying that he right now is that guy and he's, you know, up to this point, not even being drafted, then he's definitely a value. The, the problem is, is it does sound like that room's starting to get a little bit more messy than what mm-hmm. we had anticipated maybe yes. a month ago. Um, and we've touched on it before. Uh, we all expected when Ford transferred in from Alabama, we all expected him to just kind of take off with that job. And mm-hmm. Jared 
Stokes, of all people, beat him out. So it's not to say that that can't happen again here. We, you know, kind of um, deja vu. Corey Kiner comes over. We all expect him to get the job. And then Miles Montgomery beats him out. So um, the only difference is, is that if if Miles Montgomery wins his job, like I said, he's a redshirt freshman. That, yeah. That's a long-term issue for Corey Kiner. Oh, very much so. So um, I still think it's a situation where, um, you know, Kiner was banged up early in fall camp. He didn't uh, have a chance to get on the field as quick as, as what the staff had hoped. So it could just be a situation where he's just playing a little bit of catch up, um, you know, so, and I don't believe he was not there for the spring, right? No, so he was transfers, not. He but, transferred yeah, so, during the summer. So, yeah, so he's kind of starting behind the eight ball here um, with his transition to that program. So I'm not ready to give up on him. And I still think that he's going to work his way into that job. But yeah, I mean, this is, you know, this is a situation now where if you have taken Kiner, you need to run to your waiver wire and go pick up Miles Montgomery just to make sure that you've um, that you've you've got that handcuff there. Yeah. And we can discuss this real quickly here, Nate, with um, in terms of just like overall strategy for redraft and everything, because I, um, I talked to Mitch Twitter, uh, on Twitter briefly about this, where it comes to stashing in a redraft format, because we have situations like this one. And I, Iowa State's another one where we have who we think is going to be a week one starter. So here, Miles Montgomery, and then maybe, uh, and then Iowa State, Jairo Brock. We have our week one starters, but we have those guy, talented guys behind them like Corey Kiner and Cartavius Norton, who we think there's a good chance they could take over throughout the season and everything like that. Is it worth stashing those guys still on your roster? Or again, I've always been kind of the opinion where, especially, I guess it depends on how deep your rosters go. But for the most part, I just want the guy who's starting week to week, and then I will have to make sure I'm heavily paying attention to that room in case something changes. Yeah, so my thoughts on handcuffs, um, and I, I've actually thought about kind of taking a really deep look into this and, and researching just how valuable it is to handcuff in CFF. Obviously, the NFL, it's important. Yes. But in the NFL, there's far less teams. In CFF, if you lose a guy, there are plenty of other running back options out there. Yes. You don't necessarily have to have that guy's backup. Uh, it's not as, as it's not as important. I will say, from a dynasty perspective, which is a lot of where I, I focus my attention for CFF, I do like to invest in handcuffs in oh, yeah. in running back rooms that have proven to be successful: Wisconsin, Utah, yes. Oregon, stuff like that. Uh, I want to make sure uh, Oklahoma quarterback room. I just want to make sure that I have a line of, of players where, where I, I'm, I get the backup once the starter moves on yes. less inclined to handcuff in, um, in redraft, but also in best ball. I found myself oh, doing best more, ball, hand, yeah. more, more handcuffs probably than I should just because there are no waiver wire moves. And if I want to invest in a room, I want to make sure I have all of that room. No, I agree. Again, standard or like best ball, I'm all for handcuffs. That makes a lot of sense to me, especially if you're on a turn where you could just go bang, bang, get them both right there at once. I love doing that if I'm on the turn in a best ball. But like in terms of redraft, where I have the option to pick up the guys and everything like that, I'm not as big of inclined to go ahead and do that. Yeah, I'm with you. The, the only situation where it does play a big role is if and I think Corey Kiner is one of those where if you invest in a guy early and then all of a sudden there's rumblings that that guy may not absolutely be that guy, then you kind of need to make sure that you protect your investment by oh, 100%. Getting, getting the backup. But yeah, under normal circumstances, it's hard to 
to justify a bunch of handcuffs um, in a standard roster in, in redraft. Yeah, especially if you're if, if a lot of people who are listening right now probably have leagues that where their drafts don't go past like the 15th, 16th rounds. So you don't have super deep rosters. Right. Don't guys, there's plenty of fish in the sea when it comes to CFF. Get starters, and you're going to do so much better than trying to guess uh, a guy might get the job by maybe the bye week or something like that. Absolutely. Do not be like me and draft Jalen Glover in every draft that you're in. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be, don't be like me. Um, Draft starters. Don't draft backups. Yes. All righty. With that being said, let's go ahead and get on to the second half of this show and everything. And we're going to discuss five of the week zero games as much as I would love to talk about every single one of them. We got to narrow it down to five that we think are going to have the most impact in terms of what we can learn for CFF kind of going forward. Um, if you are a league that for some reason scores this week, first of all, why? Uh, second of all, um, yeah, no, just why? Uh, although there, there are more and more week zero games, it feels like every year. Am I crazy on that? Or is it like, it feels like this is the most we've ever had week zero. They are, they are definitely increasing. It started with just like one or two games. Um, and it was just like, like one high profile game. And now there's like a whole bunch of less, you know, lower, lower profile type games. I mean, I like it. it, it it's like oh, an yeah. appetizer for the CFF season or for the CFB season. USC plays. I don't, I can't remember who they play. USC plays a week zero next year. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's a yep. big one. Uh, anyway, let's get into these games and everything. Uh, first game on the slate here. We got Austin P at Western Kentucky. This is a 12 PM game on the CBS sports network. Touched on this a little bit earlier. The big thing here is, what does this offense look like with Austin Reed now as the quarterback? Uh, what like are they basically redoing what they did last year? This would a lot of us expect to. Maybe do they run a little bit more? Because uh, Kyle Robichev has definitely gotten some hype here and there throughout the offseason. And then which wide receivers step up? Malachi Corley and Daywood Davis are definitely our two guys. But again, we have seen that it is possible for if they spread the ball out a little bit more, they can have even three wide receivers possibly be CFF relevant by the end of the year, which is how much volume they are passing here. So Nate, what are you looking for here? And I guess the question that'll come with every single one of these games is, are there any, is there anybody that you expect people to be targeting on the waiver wires come next week after these games are played? Yeah. So the big thing we've, we've got our question answered at quarterback, obviously. So that was the thing that I was going to pay attention to the most. We don't have to worry about that now. Now we, we turn our attention to the wide receivers. And like you mentioned, Corley, David Davis, those are the guys that are going earliest in drafts. We've, we've heard some rumblings that maybe um, Jalen Hall has started yes. to kind of step up. Uh, and he was a guy who really liked his, um, his ability, his, his athleticism, his size mm-hmm. for Western Michigan. He just never seemed to be able to put it together and was, um, you know, just couldn't couldn't compete with, uh, with a guy like uh, sky Moore, but, mm-hmm. um, the interesting thing is, is that if, if we have the template of the Zach Kitley offense and Arbuckle is just going to follow that template, Zach Kitley had like what, 180 targets to the slot receiver yep. last year. And all of those guys we've mentioned, Corley, Paul, um, David Davis, those are outside guys. I thought Corley played we- the slot. 
Am I wrong? Did he? That? I, I think he kind of bounced around a little okay. bit. I guess he kind of he kind of played a I little bit. That, I thought that was why we were also high on Corley is that he if, was playing that slot role. Right. If he becomes if he becomes like the permanent slot guy, then then obviously then I, I think wheels up totally for him. Yeah. What's interesting is is that Matheson comes over from um, yes. Akron, and we haven't heard a word out of him, and he he uh, he kind of look good at times last year and yet we mm-hmm. haven't heard anything out of him. So I'm kind of I'm going to be kind of turning my attention to okay, who's who's the other inside receiver that could step up and 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 be a guy that we're not really talking about. Oh yeah, and there's other guys who came from West uh or not West, uh Houston Baptist who right. last year a lot of people were well, drafting. Stern's little brother. Stern's little brother. Josh right? Stearns is one. <laughs> uh Ben Ratsliff is another one who came from uh West, I think he uh, ran out of eligibility. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. oh. My bad. Um, but even so, like, but again, Josh Stearns. I'm lo- I'll be looking at Josh Stearns. If he has the same skill set that his brother had, why not? You know what I'm what I'm counting on, at least from how I've been drafting, what I'm counting on as being the guy that fills into that spot is Joshua Simon. Oh God, yes. Yeah. God, give me yes. give me the give me a he's basically with with the way that they're able to flex him outside, he's basically a big slot that has really nice athleticism. If he can come back from injury and and play like he did in that first game last year, where he had like I don't know three catches for eighty yards and two mm-hmm. touchdowns or whatever, then then I mean we're looking at a guy that could go bonkers right now. So oh, yeah. and please let it be that guy because my my roster um, ownership would would love that. So oh, yeah, now, I I have not drafted enough Simon this year. I I I liked him a lot earlier in the season, but just for some reason haven't gotten a share of him lately and so now i think i need to target him a little bit more because you're right that absolutely could happen so yeah we'll see all right moving on to the next game here again another one of these kind of one-sided games it's a uh fbs against an fcs slash division two opponent but unc we're expecting to get a starter here on monday so if you're listening to this on monday morning you're probably going to be hearing in the next couple of hours who will be announced as the starter for UNC? Is it Drake May? Is it Jacoby Criswell? I imagine we're going to see plenty of both in this game. And I think that really is kind of the main story here outside of the fact that, again, what does Andre Green Jr., the true freshman there, look like with Antoine Green out for right now? And maybe another receiver kind of pops up outside of Josh Downs that we aren't even really talking about yet. What do we think overall about this game, Nate? Oh, and also the running back situation. I'm so, so yeah. Go ahead, Nate. No, yeah. I, I mean, obviously, the the loss of British Brooks is going to um, be a huge impact here because we were already looking really forward to the to the freshman and seeing and, and what could happen there. But I mean, first we're going to turn our attention to what the quarterback situation is, and 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 yeah, by you know Monday evening we'll know who's going to be the official QB one, but I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we still see both of them play a little bit. Um, it sounds like Drake may, you know, will probably end up being that guy, but man, this is a situation where both those guys are really good. Both those guys are P five starter quality players. Yes. It's just unfortunate. They just happen to be on the same team. Yes. Um, and both of them have enough, enough athleticism. And this is a Phil Longo system that has a lineage of a very successful CFF QB. So man, um, what a big um, decision that will be from a CFF standpoint. So yeah, we'll be keeping our eye there. Um, as far as the running backs, uh, bummer that British Brooks is out. Yes. 
I think we see a bunch of Amari and Hampton and George Petaway just to find out what exactly those, those guys consist of. Yep. Here, here's kind of my quick thoughts on it. The, the odds on situation is kind of like Brandon Sanders has mentioned is that we get that thunder and lightning result that we had yes. uh, a couple years ago at North Carolina, uh, Hampton being the thunder Petaway being the lightning. I say if if one of those guys is capable of becoming the true RB1 and kind of separates himself, I actually think it's Hampton, even though I probably mm-hmm. liked Petaway coming out, um, his, his tape a little bit more. And that's just because Hampton has proven he can kind of do it all. He actually catches yeah. the ball pretty well. Um, but so did Javante Williams, if you remember. Like he, he Right. Yeah, he actually he actually had more, uh, more catches than uh, Michael Carter in that last season. Um, but yes, uh, I, I just think that he has all the makings to be that that bona fide RB one. Whereas you kind of question if Petaway could handle a twenty plus carry workload. Yes, uh, we don't, man. If you've seen if you've seen Amari and Hampton and some of the video and pictures, oh, yeah. holy crap, we do not worry about if that body can handle 20, <laughs> no. 25 carries. He is a monster. Of a a, he's a big dude. Yeah. So yeah, and and then obviously Andre Green, man. I'm I'm excited to see what he can do. Uh, there has been a, a runway cleared for him to take off as the wide receiver two here with the uh, with the injury to Antoine Green. So, oh, yeah. and if, if um, you, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, God, he is he is so skilled. I mean, what a perfect time to bring in two incredibly skilled running backs and wide receiver with the losses that they had this offseason. With two quarterbacks who I believe, if I remember correctly, both have several years of eligibility left after this year. So like you could you you are set up for years down the line, and we haven't even mentioned the true freshman quarterback Connor Harrell, who even if Criswell and May go off to the NFL relatively soon, they're set with Connor Harrell. I've heard a lot of great things about him. So you can play if, if you're a UNC fan, you're loving where this offense is at. Defense, uh, we'll figure that part out later. Uh, <laughs> I I will say keep an eye keep an eye on Nesbit the yes. Uh, the the tight end slash wide receiver man they flex him out a lot and he he doesn't run routes like a normal tight end he's very athletic he's um he's slender for a tight end i think that there's a chance he could see a um uh some some increased volume due to green being out and yeah. and the rest of the wide receiver room being fairly unproven yes all righty let's move Besides on to josh downs obviously Let's move on to the next game here. By the way, I forgot to mention this when I announced the game. This is the 8-15 game on the ACC Network. So if you have the ACC Network, here you go. All right. Moving on to another one. Another one of these very lopsided games. We could talk about UConn, but do we really want to? Uh, Especially now that Cam Ross is not even playing this year. Uh, But still, let's go over to the other side of this game. And that is Utah State. This is the 4 p.m. game on Fox Sports one wow way too close on that one jared almost had to bleep that one out later um anyway um the big story here has been the big story all off season at least for me and that's been the wide receiver room we have a pretty good idea as far as i can tell who kind of the main three wide receivers to start are and that is going to be brian cobbs justin mcgriff and then uh, kyle van luyuen is apparently the starter in the slot right now. But the interesting thing is about who is behind him at the slot and also about what happens when they go for Y. One of my guys, I like Terrell Vaughn, the transfer from Juco, but Nate, your guy, Nana Davis, 
as we've mentioned before, has just continuously made plays. And it would not surprise me if down the line in the season, Nana Davis maybe takes over as the starting slot. We'll get to see all of them in action, I have to imagine, against UConn. And I would really, really like to see where Logan Bonner or Cooper Legat or whoever starts and plays in this game is going with their targets. So what are your thoughts overall on this game, Nate? I think you summed it up good, I, really well there. We're, we're really just interested in how does this wide receiver room play out? Who's the guy that gets the volume uh, that's vacated by, you know, three really, really nice wide receivers there at Utah State? And, and we have a history of Blake Anderson wide receivers from his time here and Arkansas State where top 20, top 15, even top five last year, what we saw out of, uh, out of Tom, uh, Tompkins is well within the, the range of outcomes for the lead wide receiver. So, yeah, I mean, that's the main thing that we want to see. We want to see how Bonner looks, you know, does he look healthy? Uh, yep. Alabama looms next week, <laughs> the, the, the following week. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that's really the main thing. There's, there's a chance that in a standard league, a lot of those receivers you just mentioned, uh, Van Leeuwen, um, Nana Davis and Vons are all sitting there on waiver wires. And if one of those guys pops in this game, um, you, you could be looking at one of the, one of the most significant waiver wire plays, uh, heading into week one. So that's, 100%. that's probably the main thing we're looking at. We, we probably don't need to touch on UConn very much, but a lot of people want to see how uh, Nathan Carter looks as far as running back. He had moments last year where he looked solid. Utah State's not a great defense, so see, I'm maybe. Not, I'm, maybe. Not, I'm not interested at all because like it's not like it's Ellis Merriweather at UMass where it's like, right. it doesn't matter what, they're going to pound the rock with him because they just want to run the clock out and get out of there. And yeah, he can I mean, take it with 200-plus carries. I don't know if Nathan Carter really has that. Kevin Mensa had some, had, I mean, a couple years ago, what was it? 20, 2020 or 2019. Kevin Mensa was around forever. Um, one of those years, he was actually really solid and pushed like a thousand yards. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, this, the ceiling is totally capped for, for UConn because they're going to be down 30 at halftime in every game. I, I want to say like Utah state's favored by what, like 28 and a half points or something like that. It's, it's it, stupid. I think they said that it's the largest um, swing and spreads between one week was, to the next. I think it was 38. I think oh, my God. By, no, 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 no. Alabama's favored over them by 38. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, we're talking about like a 60-something point swing. Utah State's going to go from almost a 30-point favorite to over a 30-point dog in, in a week span as they go from UConn to Alabama. So it's kind of it's kind of crazy. Utah State is favored by 27 and a half right, in yeah. this game. Yeah. So, yeah, from 28 to... Uh, favorite to an underdog of 38. That's the kind of swing that we're looking at here. Yeah. Poor Aggies. All righty, let's move on here. And we have possibly the actual game of the week here because, like, I'm there's there's some interest here for me. Uh, we got Vanderbilt flying all the way to Hawaii. This is the 10.30 p.m. game Eastern Time on CBS Sports Network. And... Yeah, like I have talked about at length that I like the Hawaii offense this year. I'm a big fan of Dedrick Parson this year. But also, I think this is one of those few cases where there might be some interest with maybe a Vanderbilt player here or there. And we can kind of see like if there is going to be somebody who pops 
for Vanderbilt that we might want down the line, this is the game where they're going to do it because Hawaii's defense is, shall we say, not in a great position right now. I think uh, Chris Moxley said that they only returned like two starters on the entire defense, and they're already were just not a great defense last year. So, Nate, uh, Vanderbilt or Hawaii, who are you looking for in this game? I'm with you. This is this is definitely from a fantasy perspective and both sides being relevant. Um, Vanderbilt's normally not relevant, but because they're playing Hawaii here, they they become relevant. Um, I'm interested in this game. I'll, I'll talk about Vandy real quick first. Quarterback um, Mike Wright. It, Mike Wright's been named uh, the the QB one there, and as far as starting quarterbacks go, I do think he's the fastest in the country. This dude has some serious wheels. Um, Malik Hornsby's faster, but he's not starting. So Mike Wright, Mike Wright has crazy speed. Here's Vandy's non-conference and, and why maybe he could actually be a relevant player this year early on. If he looks good against Hawaii, Elon, Wake Forest and Northern Illinois. So not exactly juggernauts row of, yep. of, of teams. Then obviously he gets into SEC late, but, <laughs> but um, so I think to see him and, and to see how he looks will be interesting. And then obviously Hawaii with, with Timmy Chang taking over, we want to see what that system looks like. We want to see how involved Dietrich Parsons is going to be. I mean, all signs indicate that he has just absolutely been a, been a, a straight up dude in, 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 spring and fall camp they're they're flex they're they're, they're pushing him outside uh just to keep him on the field instead of giving him rest um running him as a slot receiver God, yeah, so please. that's right i mean if we're i mean he caught the ball really well last year um in the old system i mean if timmy chang's throwing the ball over the field and i mean he could be pushing 50 catches which would be really really fun to watch so and then and then you want to see what um um zion bones and that's in the uh yeah, the zion wide receiver bones. there yeah, I want, I want to, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of talk about his game break ability and, and how he's able to get past defenders downfield. Um, so I want to see what that looks like. And if it's truly going to be um, Schrager, 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 throwing him the ball because uh, supposedly that was, we were all thinking that's a done deal. And now it's uh, been whittled down to four QBs. So here we are. Exactly. I, 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 I'm, I'm kicking myself a little bit because I got a lot of Shager a lot of places because it did sound like there for a while that he would be the guy. Um, yeah, everything in the spring pointed that he was he was the clear QB1. He was playing well in the scrimmages. Again, it could be the same scenario where, like, they don't they refuse to name a starter because they know that, like, right. uh, what's his name? The other quarterback there, not Cam Cooper. It's the other one that uh, some people liked before the season. Uh, Yellen. Yellen. Well, yeah, they're, they're both transfers as well, so I guess they couldn't really right. transfer out if they wanted to. But even so, oh, anybody can transfer anywhere. Anytime. You're right. You're right. You're right. What, what am I even saying? Um, again, I am. I too am looking forward to Zion Bowens. Again, I think his. I think like Prize Picks currently has his like receptions prop at three still, which is just insane to me. I really think it's just because they have no idea what to do with Hawaii's offensive system. And Parsons over 10, 10 points on Prize Picks, which. He might get half of that just from his receptions alone. Yeah, um, I would. I would say if 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 Parsons can't hit ten points and and and, and Bowens again, can't hit three receptions against Vanderbilt, then we've we're going to have a whole different discussion about what Hawaii is going to look like this year. I one hundred percent agree, and that's kind of what makes this game so fun. Is that like we this is this is like a baseline test for both of these offenses. If they can't 
provide CFF relevant performances in a game like this, there's no performance, there's nowhere down the line that I'm going to really want these guys kind of moving forward. You say that, but do you know who Hawaii plays week one? Um, they play Western Kentucky, if yes. I remember correctly. Oh my goodness. Dude, oh. that's going to be points galore. I, I hope, I hope both Western Kentucky and Hawaii look exactly how we want them to look. Oh, the, dude, that, that's going to be And I'm then we get that, over that game matchup. That's going to be so fun. I, I can't wait, dude. That's going to be so much fun. Anyway, let's head up the last game here. Probably less CFF relevance here, but I kind of found, I felt like we had to include this game because it's the only P5 versus P5 matchup, as well as the fact that it's the only conference v. conference matchup of the week. But we got Nebraska versus Northwestern. I believe this game's out of the country, if I remember correctly. Ireland, yeah. They're playing in Ireland, that's right. So most of my interest here, and I believe Nate's as well, relies on Nebraska. We're both big fans of Trey Palmer. It sounds like he is that dude coming out of fall camp reports and everything. Casey Thompson has been named the starter for Nebraska. I'm interested to see if that offense can finally turn a corner. I, I don't want I don't want to hold out too much hope, but again, I like what I hear coming out of it. They got Mark Whipple there. They got some really nice pieces there. Uh, running back, it sounds like they have several good options. Grant, probably the number one guy, but I wouldn't draft any of them because I think he's going to split up too much. Uh, but again, that's where most of my interest lies. I want to see what Nebraska looks like. Once again, very baseline test here. If they can't perform well against Northwestern, I'm not going to hold out hope they're going to do well down the line. And then on Northwestern, I've had a couple people ask me about the Northwestern running back situation between Cam Porter and Evan Hall. I personally have just been stay away. I don't think either one of them is going to really kind of break away from the other this year. They both have had great moments in the past couple of years. And the only one really has benefited when the other one has been injured or just not there. So I'm kind of off Northwestern for the most part overall. But Nate, anything of interest here with Nebraska versus Northwestern? Yeah, I I want to see. So one thing that I've been following with the Nebraska backfield is Ramir Johnson. Okay, so obviously he, when Gabe Irvin went down last year, and and, and he kind of took over as that RB one until he himself became hurt towards the end of the year. But he performed really really well as their starting running back. Now I don't love Mark Whipple's system for yes. running backs. We've we've. Got enough evidence of that at Pitt last year. Yep. God, I'm an, I'm a huge Izzy Abanacana fan, and he did not let Izzy get busy, and that really made me mad. <laughs> so, I so when 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 Whipple was hired as the, <laughs> as the OC at at Nebraska, I was not at all a fan of what that meant for Ramir Johnson. But here's the deal. I've seen multiple reports that Ramir Johnson is spending time at the slot and at running back. And Mark Whipple mm. has referred to him as his Brian Westbrook. He was actually on staff with the Eagles when Brian okay. Westbrook blew up um, over there. And, um, and uh, Ramir Johnson has been saying he's been watching a lot of film of guys like uh, DeAnthony uh, Thomas at Oregon. And um, I forget another running back that, uh, that both split out and and played uh, running back. And so, and obviously Mark Whipple is very good at highlighting slot receivers and and getting them targets and that type of thing. So that would be very interesting to me if he indeed is playing all over the field and they kind of make him similar to what Brahm is talking about doing with Travis, uh, with, um, 
with Tracy there at Purdue. So that interests me. Uh, as far as Northwestern is concerned, I'm with you. I'm going to take a look at the running backs. I do think Evan Hull is the better player than Cam Porter. I think Cam Porter is a little bit of a plotter. He doesn't really, you know, break off big runs or anything plotter like that. Plotter Porter. Plotter Porter. Yeah. Porter the plotter. Um, but I think Evan Hull can play a little bit. The, the weird thing is, is that every time they're both healthy, Porter is the starter. And mm. Um, they've never really given him, but man, when he comes in, when somebody's hurt, he's actually really good. Um, but they never really give him that, uh, that, that RB one status until somebody gets hurt. So I'll be paying attention to that. A couple of things there. First of all, letting Izzy get busy might've broken me there for, for, for a good solid 15 <laughs> You gotta, seconds. you, you have to let Izzy get busy so he can take it to the hizzy. That's what he God. does, man. <laughs> Um, and then absolutely was going to my dynasty roster and like trying to get Ramir Johnson back onto my dynasty team. Cause he was absolutely one of the cuts I made. And now I'm like, I'm going to just hold on to him just a little bit longer by right, Daniel yeah. and Gata. <laughs> you just like, like I said, the nice thing of it, the, the thing that sucks is Nebraska has two bye weeks cause they yeah. play week zero. The nice thing is, is you get to see, okay, how are they really going to implement Ramir Johnson in this situation? Yes. How is you know, how heavily are they going to target Palmer and, and uh, yeah, how does Thompson look? So we get, we get a sneak peek here without it, without having to guess uh, any of these guys being in our starting lineup or anything like that. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's nice that at least, at least they're playing a P5 program so we can get a good gauge of what it's going to look like the rest of the season. Yep. All righty. I think that pretty much brings us to the end of our show here. Again, made some pretty good time here. Nate, I know you got to go here relatively soon, so I'll try to keep this outro uh, relatively quick here. One thing I did want to talk about before we head out of here is what is CTN going to look like during the season now that it is here? Last season, you guys saw us split the show into two parts throughout the actual season. We're going to do that again. We're going to spread them out just a little bit more. We're going to release on Mondays. On Mondays, we will be doing waiver wires, recaps of previous games weeks, talk about best performers, stuff like that. And that is uh, most likely going to be with the man across from me, uh, Mr. Nate Marquise. Again, Nate, uh, you have told me that uh, some, some weekends you're going to be busy and everything, and that is going to be fine. Uh, and then the other show we are going to do will be released on Wednesdays, and that is going to be previewing the next week. We'll be talking about sit-start discussions. We'll be talking about some of the high-scoring games that we're expecting that week, and that is going to be with Chris Moxley. So that is kind of your schedule. Again, I wish I created a graphic here uh, to kind of put up on YouTube and everything, but that's pretty much the schedule kind of going forward here. And then, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Nate, uh you are always working on some awesome stuff. Anything that people can kind of expect coming from you relatively soon here? I'll be honest, man. I, uh, I, I'm kind of slacking right now. I'm, oh. I'm really just uh, trying to keep my head above water, uh, above water with all the uh, news that keeps breaking and yeah, stuff no like joke. that. So, no, I don't have anything, um, anything quite yet on the horizon. Yeah, no problem with that. Again, like you, when, when you do come around for something, everybody's going to read it. So don't worry about it, man. All righty. <laughs> Everyone, really appreciate you guys tuning in. Really glad to be back. Glad we could come in with the show, give you everything updated here, get back on track, and let's let's have a great season, y'all. By this time next week when we have a show, we are going to have actual football to analyze and actual players, actual player performances to talk. I cannot wait. Let's have a great season, y'all. Have a wonderful and blessed day.